You might be wondering why I've got these on stage. Let's just move it into the light so um, we can see it slightly better. Um, before I start, let's just pray because I might need it. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Ephesians, God, and for the journey that we've been on as a church over the last few weeks. Uh, Lord, I pray there'll be a continuation of that and you'd really cement something in, into each of our hearts. God, cement something deeper than before. God, Reveal something new, God, through my fumbling words, through my preparation. God, would you just speak to each individual person here in your name? Amen. Okay, so um, we're going to do a preach and we're also going to do a fashion show. Okay, is that okay? Um, but I thought I'd start by talking about me as an individual. I am one of these people, um, I'm fairly fit. I don't know, you might think not, but I, you know, I walk roughly three miles a day. I'm quite keen runner. I do a bit of sport. I like to play football. I'm fairly fit. Although there's one pursuit in life where I fall short in terms of physical um, exercise. That is a trip to the Hanley Potteries shopping center. Within, I can run a marathon in um, just under four hours. Within four minutes of shopping, I am absolutely exhausted. Absolutely. Now, um, I've come up with a new word. You know how you may have heard the word that people have started to use that um, defines when you are hungry and angry. Hangry. I'm angry. Hangry. Well, I've come up with one, my own one. I don't think it'll catch on. It's not quite as catchy. But this is mine. Hangry tired. I'm hungry. I'm angry, I'm hot, and I'm tired, all in one go. Now that, hangry tired, only ever occurs when I'm shopping. Amen, thank you. We have a few believers in church this morning. <laughs> it's an exhausting activity. Now I'm one of these people, I do shop, because I guess we have to. I can't shop online. I don't think I've ever bought any online. I'm one of these people, I just don't shop online because as well as being hangry tired, I'm also OCD. I can't buy something having not seen it in the flesh. I have to see it. I have to imagine my body in that outfit. I have to, I cannot, I, I can't do it from an image or, you know, however many shots there are, whatever, whatever angles, I have to be there. So I'm my own worst enemy. I shoot myself in the foot. I hate shopping and yet I have to go shopping if I want something. So I'm in this crazy scenario where shopping is a love-hate relationship. I've got to go shopping. I'm not going to do it online. I'm not going to ask someone to do it for me because no one does it right. But I hate it all the same. I'm hangry tired. However, there's one shop, my saving grace. And I only go into these from time to time on special occasions. Steffi um, appreciates when I go into these shops. The one shop that is my favorite is a jewelry shop because I can be hangry tired. And you just walk in like a Neanderthal caveman. <sighs> me, boy, me buy things for wife. Me, I don't know one thing about jewellery. One iota. I don't care for the things. I've got a wedding ring, that's about it. I've got a watch for sport. But that's, I don't know anything about jewellery. So if I'm going to buy anyone any jewellery, I walk into, say, recently, Pandora or H. Samuel. And I, I, I walk in, I'm hot, I'm sweaty, the lights are so bright, it's a tense situation, I'm hangry tired, I'm hungry, there's Starbucks just next to it. And I walk in like a Neanderthal, dragging my knuckles on the floor, and then a nice lady comes up to me and says, how can I help you today? And I like hug her, I like cling to her, say, I need something for my wife, she's got blonde hair, she's this high, she likes these kind of things, will you get it for me? 
And they do. And so I, I end up buying normally. Now, oh, this is bad. I'm just giving myself away. Um, normally what somebody um, chooses for me. No, I choose, but they help because uh, I need the help. <laughs> um, I, I need the help because I'm hangry-tied. <laughs> um, thinking about dress sense. You know, you go to a party. What's the dress code? Is it smart? Is it smart cash? Is it cash smart? Is it casual? Is it scruffy? Is it wear your jeans and t-shirt? What is it? How do you define it? How do you know? Sometimes I've been in situations where I'm like, Steph, what do I wear? And normally, just like the jewelry shop lady, she helps me. And I get to where I need to go and she dresses me and ties my shoelaces and... and she doesn't really, I do that. But um, I need that kind of help when it comes to clothing. Um, so I found in Ephesians 4, so last week Sarah talked about Ephesians 4. For those that don't know, we're in a season series where we're looking at Ephesians. Um, and we are now up to Ephesians 4, verse 17. So last week Sarah talked, um, and if you haven't listened, um, go online, briefcitychurch.com, or download SoundCloud and follow Brief City Church. You get it automatically onto your smartphone. As soon, within half an hour to an hour, Chris puts it on and you get the message straight away on your smartphone. There's a hot tip for you. So if you didn't get Ephesians 1 to 16, 4, 1 to 16 from Sarah, great message. Um, just to summarize really briefly, I don't do it any justice. But um, we're, in a, we're in the practical side of things now. Uh, Ephesians 1 to 3 was very much theoretical. The theology behind who we are in Christ and who we are as a church. And God has united us and he's united whether or not you're a Christian at birth, whether or not you're a Gentile or a Jew or you've been a Christian a long time. We're all equal. We're all part of the same body. It's the same church. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing beyond your imagination. The theory. We need to understand that we are loved. We need to understand who we are in Christ. We need to understand the depth of his love for us. And then Ephesians 4, we're now starting to talk about some of the practicalities. What does it mean to be a Christian? How should I operate? If I'm going to be growing in my faith, which is why Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. If I'm going to do that, how? If I'm going to do that, what does that even look like? Um, now, this is where the clothes come in. So it is a bit of a fashion show today. Let's start with... Item number one. Whether or not you like it, it doesn't matter. It's an illustration. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm going to wear a few different outfits today, if that's okay, during this preach. See how we get on. Um, so my, my, my message today, thinking about what should a Christian look like? What should a growing Christian look like? I think the title will come up, What Not to Wear. In my opinion, Ephesians 4 talks a lot about what not to do, what not to wear as a Christian, what you should not be doing. Fortunately as well, it gives us some advice as to what we should be doing, which I'll get across as well. But the main thrust of my message is what not to wear. So <laughs> to, I found in the verse 17, let's flash it on screen. Um, I'm sorry if we've gone out of order, Toby. And, um, yes, this is brilliant. With the Lord, this is verse 17, the first verse of the passage I'm going to read. We're going to go all the way through to verse 32, but in segments. Start verse 1 to kick us off. With the Lord's authority, this is Paul writing, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. I love that phrase because it, it helps me describe how I feel when I'm shopping. And when I'm choosing an outfit for a special occasion, I am hopelessly confused. And in some ways, it almost parallel, uh, parallels, parallels or relates to 
some Christians. You're like, how on earth do I live out this Christian life? What on earth does it mean to be a Christian? What should I wear? What should I not wear? What should I do? What should I not do? Sometimes the, the area is gray. Sometimes it's a bit fluffy. Should I be doing that? Should I be doing that? Should I celebrate Halloween? Should I wear that? Should I do that? Should I swear? Should I gossip? Where are the lines? Where are the boundaries? What should I be doing as a Christian? What should I wear? Or what should I not wear? So, let's move on to verse 18. We're all hopelessly confused. Some of us, um, before we knew God, we were hopelessly confused. Some of us, even now, now, now that we know God, are still hopelessly confused. <laughs> I know I am sometimes. Sometimes I go back to default. I'm like, what does it mean to be a Christian? Am I really wearing the right stuff? Am I really giving off the right impression? Am I really the Christian that God wants me to be? Well, it's okay if you feel that way. If you feel hopelessly confused, hopefully this is a message for you. If occasionally you feel hopelessly confused, this is a message for you. If you never feel hopelessly confused, you probably will. So, warning. <clears throat> so, what not to wear? Let's carry on in Ephesians 4 verse 18. And it goes on. These hopelessly confused people, you and me as well, but Gentiles, people outside of God, people who aren't Christian perhaps, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far, far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Get this. Throw off your old sinful nature. Your hopelessly confused sinful nature. And your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, put the, let the Spirit the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Wow. So we'll stop there for now. Here's where the, the illustration <laughs> comes in. And I'm going to try, ambitious maybe, and can continue this illustration throughout the whole preach. But if it just drops halfway and you wonder where it's gone, it's because I've lost it. <laughs> But the, the verse is still up there, throw off. Now, if you look at the Greek, uh, it, put off is the, in the King James Version, put off or throw off. It's a, literally a, a throwing off of your old sinful nature. It's literally get away. In fact, here's the, this is an insight into our home life. This is, now, this is an insight type into our home life. <sighs> For those that can't see, it's a washing basket. The jacket is going in the washing basket. Throw it off. But it's that sinful nature, the former way of life, the things you used to do, corrupted by lust and deception. But get this. Put on. Now that, when you look at the Greek, I like this definition. I'm going to read it. It talks about clothing yourself and wearing. But get this. There's a sense of sinking into a garment. The only one I can think of is uh, sinking, uh, sinking into the dressing gown, the new nature. This is Steffi's. 
I'd like to apologize to Steph for humiliating in many points during this message. <laughs> so p- put on <laughs> your new nature. Sink. Sink into the garment that God has given to you. It says here, created. So we understand we were created at the beginning of, well, God made the world, but he's continually creating us. So this nature, so that old nature is gone. This new nature is created by God. I cannot create it myself. He gives me this new nature, this new way of life. Whether or not you're living it right now, it doesn't matter. Whether or not you once lived it and then fell away, it doesn't matter. Whether or not you've never yet chosen to follow Jesus, you're not a Christian yet. It's okay. He's created a new garment, a new comfy attire for you. So what, I'm going to keep this on (laughs) for a bit. Okay, I'm going to get hot. So um, just to remind you of the title, What Not to Wear. Um, But we're going to carry on because I'm going to talk about four things not to wear that Scripture tells us about. (laughs) We should hashtag it. So, and then... uh, maybe just hashtag, I don't know, BCC, and then people, when they go online, they can search for the hashtag and actually get the visual of what they're not seeing. No, maybe not. I shouldn't be saying that, should I? I should be hiding. Anyway, so we need to move on, (laughs) because I haven't even started the preach yet. So um, Ephesians 4, (laughs) and I've got a lot of illustrations to show you. (laughs) Ephesians 4.25. So these are the things not to wear. There's four. I've picked four out. There's more, but there's four in Ephesians 4. Four for four. So stop telling lies. So you can wear a jacket of lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down. Sorry, there's another one. Anger. Angry. Anger. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, so stealing, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So in here, we've got things not to wear, but also, helpfully, there's an alternative of what to wear, which is where my message really does come from. So what not to wear? Well, stop lying, but instead, tell the truth. Stop stealing, but instead give generously. Stop using a foul and abusive language. Instead, like Sarah was talking about last week, speak only good. Use encouragement and kind words. So, however, you know, if I was to take a garment off, now, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll say it anyway. You know, if I was to take something off, I become naked. (laughs) I'm not. I'm going to stop here. Um, I'm taking off lies. So here, though it was nice and comfy, the dressing gown represents lies. It's going, I'm shaking off lies. I'm, shake, I'm thrusting it and throwing it away. So this is my first thing of not to, to wear. Thanks, Toby. Um, but I need to replace it with something. God doesn't leave us naked. God doesn't leave us void of what to do. It's not about don't do that, condemnation. You are bad. You're doing the wrong thing. You're lying, you naughty boy. <laughs> he gives us something else. To put on. He's like, no, don't wear that jacket of lies. Put on a jacket of telling the truth. Put on, this is tight, it's smaller than the last 
I haven't put on weight, have I? Oof. Here we go. Slightly snug. Okay, so here's my jacket of truth. <laughs> or if you read later, a sneak peek for Ephesians 6, belt of truth. I'm putting something on. I'm wearing something different. And I was reading this. So you think about lies. We say, well, what do you mean? Big lies, white lies, little jokes, mocking people. What, what kind of lies? You know, the big ones that really cause divorce and cause big issues and lies that, you know, about my finances, my taxes, my, my identity. Those kind of lies. Or do you mean little white, tiny little weeny weeny white lies? Yesterday I was in bed reading uh, Proverbs. And this is one of those verses that you just wish wasn't in the Bible. You say, God, are you actually serious that this is in the Bible? But I'm going to show it to you to prove it. And it is in the Bible. You can check it. It says this, Proverbs 26, just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon. That lands home a bit. Forgive me for using such, I mean, this is in the Bible, not me. Just as, a damaging, just as damaging as a madman is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. So these jokes, these lies, little white lies to, you know, prove a point or make somebody look good or make somebody look bad or, you know, I was only joking. I was only saying that to be funny. Perhaps, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to link, I'm not going to use my microphone here to say that the two passages link, but they're both in the Bible. So you can take it as you wish. Um, but instead of feeling condemned for lying, instead of just wearing the garment of lies and thinking, gosh, I am a dirty, rotten, smelly sinner. I haven't changed in months. Feeling bad. Ephesians 4 gives us some handy tips, some practical things. How can I stop myself from lying? Simple. Replace it with truth. Replace it with truth. Start telling the truth. For some of you, including myself, you almost need to practice. So whenever perhaps you snuck a white lie in there, something that you know wasn't true, it was a joke or it was something that wasn't necessarily right, replace it with something of truth. Say something of truth. Say something positive. Because God has created a new you. So don't continue to put on the dirty garment. Wear the clean Fresh, snug-fitting, warm jacket. You don't need to lie anymore. You're free from that. We sang about it. Free from sin. Wow. I don't need to lie. And if I do lie, I don't need to feel condemned. I simply just need to tell the truth. There's a remedy for telling lies. Just start practicing telling the truth. And the more you tell the truth, the less you'll be telling the lies. And before you know it, you actually just tell the truth. And you've not continued to tell you the lies. So that's the thing, the first thing we shouldn't wear, lies. But instead, wear a garment of truth. So let's move on to anger. So now the black jacket is anger. So what not to wear? It's now, sorry for the visual, it's not 100% accurate because now I'm wearing something that was good, but now it's bad. But just like you wear clothes, you know, you wear your favorite outfit, you wear it, you sweat, and you need to change it. So it's just like that, okay? Um, it's a good, it was good, but now it's bad. This is anger, this is angry, this is hangratide. Now, I think hangratide is okay, but I think anger is a different thing. We'll get onto that in a second. So throw off anger, this is going to be tricky because it's a bit tight. Just don't mind me. Throw off anger. I'm no longer angry. I'm, 
I'm no longer angry. <laughs> now that was passion, not anger. <laughs> and uh, oh, <laughs> here's my next garment. <laughs> um, there is no link to the the, the point of the garment. Um, by the way, this this actually was this year's Christmas present from the father-in-law. Now, would you mind, because um, he might listen, would you mind just editing the laughter out? And maybe we could replace in the recording like a, oh, wow. Honestly, this was, <laughs> this was, from the father-in-law, Christmas present number one. And I'm glad I can get some wear out of it. <laughs> so anger, what we've just read, suggests that anger isn't necessarily... A bad thing. Now, it says when you are angry. Implying that you can get angry. God doesn't remove our anger. He doesn't remove our emotion. He doesn't remove the reality of situations. We often hear the phrase righteous anger. Sometimes as Christians, we need to stand up against something that's wrong. And anger can be a good thing. It can be a positive thing. It can be something that if channeled in the right direction, is good. But it talks in this passage about do not let the sun go down. So if your anger is lasting, outlasting the day, if your anger, a bit like Cinderella, hits the clock, 24 hours has gone by and you're still angry, there's a problem. But if you can go to sleep and wake up and not feeling angry, I think that's okay. Do not let the sun go down. There's almost a time limit on our, on time limit on our anger. If we're too angry for too long, we have a problem. So, keep short accounts. Don't hold grudges. Don't, you know, if somebody does something against you, it's your responsibility to forgive. Now, this is what this garment is. So, the anecdote, the, not the anecdote, the antidote, the remedy for anger is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. So, put on forgiveness. Disregard anger. Throw it in the bin. Shake it off, put it off, and put on forgiveness. You can be angry for a short period of time, but forgiveness is crucial to being a Christian. What not to wear? Anger for too long. Take it off. Wear forgiveness. If you're in the habit of being angry, start forgiving. Because actually forgiveness isn't for the benefit of the person that's wronged you. Forgiveness is purely for your benefit. Now, if you're to be living as a growing Christian, which is what Ephesians is all about, which is why this, we're doing this series right now, for you to grow. And if you want to grow, one thing that could be stopping you from growing is anger and unforgiveness. Is you not forgiving somebody who has done something against you. That could be stopping you from growing. Now, the simple thing you can do is take off. Now, I know it's, it's, it's a visual thing and... It's not necessarily a spiritual thing, but apply the visual to your spirit. Take it off. Put it away and put on forgiveness. Um, I mean, Jesus said it as it is. He said, love your enemies in Matthew 5. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Does anyone, no, you don't have to put your hand up, but is anyone in the room being persecuted? Pray for those that are persecuting you. Pray for them. Pray for your enemies. There is the anecdote. There, no, I keep saying anecdote. The antidote for your anger. So what not to wear? Lies, anger. Thirdly, stealing. Theft. 
So at this point, illustration continues. I'm not going to put that one away. It's bad. Oh, speaking of smart cash or cash or smart, we have a dinner jacket. Ooh, without the... <laughs> Watch got caught. That could have been bad. Um, so, I once stole, but I've thrown it away. But now, I'm a generous giver. I use my hands for good. No longer do I steal from one and take from the other. I use these hands, this new outfit, this new attire, this new me to give. There's the antidote for my stealing is to simply be generous. Do good instead of stealing. Choose to give. Give to the, um, the hampers. Give some donations of, of, of items to the hampers. Give to targs. Give of your time. Give of your energy. Give of your finance. Give of you. And in some ways, if, if you don't do that, you're stealing from God because what you, have been, what you have received, you're holding back. So don't steal and keep for yourself what is God has given to you, but give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Fill your time with giving so that you have less time to steal. Now, some of you might be thinking, possibly a little bit like me, I'm a good boy. I've never stolen. I've never shoplifted. I've never robbed anyone. I've never mugged anyone in the street. So I'm okay with this one. This one's tick, done it, fine. I'm okay. I'm a generous giver. But have you ever thought about greed? Or have you ever thought about lust? Or have you ever coveted somebody's car or their house? Or have you ever wanted their outfits, their designer gear? Have you ever wanted just their personality? You say, I want that. That is the kind of person I want to be. I've done it. So maybe I'm now in this category of a stealer. Because I'm wanting things that are not my own. Luke 12, 15, a couple of scriptures for you just to help me ground this. Jesus said, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. So why do people steal? They want more to own. They are not satisfied or content with what they have, so they go and steal. So the question for you is, are you satisfied and content with what you have? Or do you have a desire for more? Now, having a desire for more is good in one way. But if you are completely sold out and if you are completely motivated by a desire to get more, you could be in this category of stealing because you, I don't want to say this, but you could be greedy. I'm not suggesting anyone is, but you could be. You think for yourself. This is a challenging message, by the way. It's talking about the sin in our lives or the potential sin in our lives. And I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> that makes sense. Your value does not come from your possessions. And again, Hebrews 13 verse 5, another quick verse. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I never, will never abandon you. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Hopefully, I've got one more point after this. We should be good. But I, over the summer, I read a book. And it's, I've wanted to share this because it's, I don't know if you've read um, The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom. Really great book. For anyone that doesn't know, Corrie Ten Boom is part of a, a fantastic, warm, loving Christian family in Holland during the Second World War beautiful family, the kind of family that you would just desire and love. You know, they read the Bible every meal. It's, it's, she was brought up on scripture. But then World War II happened. Nazi Germany um, do what they do. And, and eventually Holland is now occupied by Nazi Germany. So you know what happens 
um, in terms of Jews. Um, so she wasn't a Jew, she was a Christian, but she was a Christian who had a conviction. And she and her family began to hide Jews in their home so that the authorities could not get them and take them to concentration camps and eventually be exterminated. So they hid, that they set up this underground um, operation. Eventually, time goes on, it get, they get found out. They get sent to concentration camps. Dad dies in prison. Um, she and her sister, all, the whole family get arrested. Stuff happens to the family. She and her sister get put in the same concentration camp, and they're there for quite a long period of time. Horrific, unimaginable scenario. So bringing it, reminding you of the context of why I'm saying this, talking about greed, talking about contentment and thankfulness and being satisfied. They have a horrendous time to the point, well, her sister dies eventually through illness. You know, lots of people die through illness. They see horrific sights, which you can only imagine on TV and you've read. There comes a point later on in their time in this concentration camp where they're moved barracks. So again, call it barracks, call it whatever it is. It's horrendous living conditions. They were then given um, new beds, straw, wet straw, damp. That was the kind of living conditions. And um, Betsy, Corrie's, the the author's sister, was one of these people that thanked God in every situation. She was, in the book, she gets frustrated with her sister because we're in the worst pit imaginable and you are still thanking God. And her sister really challenges her. And she continually, to the point where Corrie, who writes the book, is very frustrated at her sister. But they get to the point where they're in these new barracks and these beds are infested with fleas absolutely infested. And this is, one of the, this is one of the only things that they almost have been saved from, fleas. They've had all the horrendous stuff happened in this concentration camp, but now they've got fleas as well. So Betsy begins to pray, her sister, she thanks God. Thank you, Jesus, for these fleas. Thank you, God, for these new beds that we have. And, and Curry is outraged. And as time goes on, her contentment and her thankfulness shows. Because as time goes on, they get to the point where they can start having prayer meetings, Bible studies in a concentration camp. They can start praying and asking for people to, to be saved. People get become a Christian. Amazing things happen. And normally what would happen, the guards would just clamp down on anything like this. Beat people, kill people, all that kind of stuff. Anything like that would be dangerous, horrifically dangerous. But for some reason, they're able to do it for a period after period after period, a long period of time. People get saved. Amazing things happen. And they wonder why. And it later appears, and it later comes out, that the guards do not want to go into that place because it's got fleas. And Betsy is like, wow, guards is so good. I thank you for fleas because that means we don't get harassed by the guards. That means that people can hear the message. People can be prayed for. People can be healed. What thankfulness. What contentment in the mix of horrendous situations. So going back to stealing and going back to not wearing stealing or greed or lust or just that dissatisfaction of wanting more and not being content, think of those less fortunate than you and allow yourself to wear generosity, give to others. 
and be thankful, yeah. There's a practical outworking of this message. Start thanking God for what you do have. Start being grateful and content with all the good things that God has given to you. If there's anything that you take from this message, go away and be thankful that you are here. As Michael said in the morning, at the beginning of this morning, thank God that we are alive. Thank God that we haven't got persecution. Thank God that we are not being beaten. Thank God that we are not living in horrendous living situations. So take off. Stealing. And give instead. And the final thing, what not to wear, I've called it bad language. But I think in the, in the translation I just read, it was foul and abusive language. So take it off. Take it off. Now, I don't know where you stand on this. Are you the kind of person that swears? Are you the kind of person... It's getting full. That's my past. Are you the kind of person... That says horrible things to others. Perhaps you gossip. Perhaps you say negative things. Perhaps you say hurtful things. Perhaps you like a good argument where you win. I know I do. <laughs> Slander. What about unkind words? We all do it when perhaps we're hangry-tired, when we're feeling weak, when we're hungry and we're hot and we're tired and we're angry. So I'm going to say something that's unkind to somebody. And I didn't really mean it, but I've said it and I can't take it back. What you say has huge power. It says in Proverbs, your tongue can bring life or death. My goodness, imagine the, the thought that I, what I say could actually cause death in someone else. I thank God that he gives me something new to wear. I thank God that I have something else that I can be doing. Sorry, the hoodie means nothing, but it's a new garment. The hoodie of encouragement. What's the antidote for foul and abusive language? Well, it's the practice being an encourager. It's the, be, it's the practice to be in a, being a positive individual. Just like Sarah set the challenge last week. And I don't know how you got on. This is like homework check. How did you get on? The challenge for those that weren't here was speak only good. Spend a week just saying things that are good. Did we all do it? <laughs> Most of us probably failed before we left the room. I know I did six or seven times. It's a tough challenge. You might not be a negative person, but we can all have negative moments, can't we? We can all have these times where we do use the wrong kind of speech, where we're not wearing the right sort of outfit. The attire as a Christian, a growing, mature Christian, I'm not saying the right things because I'm hangry tired. I'm angry. I'm tired. I'm hot. And I'm hungry, of course. <laughs> Practice. Again, just like every what not to wear, there's something to wear. If you're in a situation where you struggle with saying foul and abusive, bad language, practice encouragement. Find as many opportunities in a day to send a text. Find as many opportunities to look at a colleague and say something nice about what they're wearing or say something good about or thank them for what they did for you or, you know, find something. It might be a challenge in certain, some situations. Some people are difficult to encourage, but that's where you come in. You can encourage them because there would have been a time in your life when you would have been difficult to encourage, where somebody would have might, may have struggled to find something good to say about you. I'm just throwing that out there. Was it just me? <laughs> But even the most difficult people to live with, even 
the least thankful people, the least receptive people, we can encourage, we can build up, we can use our words to speak life, to bring hope, to bring goodness into their situation. So every time you say something negative, and we all do it, every time you say something perhaps, dare I say it, um, abusive and offensive, the antidote is encouragement. So find someone to encourage. Find someone to bless. Find someone to speak life over. Find someone to speak good about. So what not to wear? We've got lies. We've got anger for a prolonged period of time. We've got stealing or greed or dissatisfaction or uncontentment. Don't wear those garments. And we've also got foul and abusive language. Instead, put on truth. Instead, put on forgiveness. Instead, be generous and kind and give. And instead, speak only good. So to continue it, we've got a couple more verses to read to conclude. Um, so we'll finish off the passage and, and we can all hopefully respond in some way. And I'll pray. This is the final few words of Ephesians 4. Do not bring sorrow. This is why, by the way, we should not be wearing the things that I've been talking about. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. So don't do it because I'm telling you. Do it because things like that bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. Remember, here's some good news. Don't feel condemned. Don't beat yourself up. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Guaranteeing, <laughs> oh my goodness, that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So don't feel condemned. I'm not beating you up. He's not beating you up. But remember, you're his. Get rid of all bitterness. Dump it away. Rage. Anger. Harsh words. Slander and every type of evil behavior. But instead, be kind. giving one another. Tricky one. Just as Christ has forgiven you. And perhaps the only significance of the garments is this one's white. It's a nice clean shirt, possibly not ironed. Forgive me. But you've got a new nature. You've got a new you. You've got new garments that you, whether or not you knew or you didn't know, waiting for you to put on. There are certain things that you used to do that people outside of the faith do, that even Christians in their weakest times do. Even I will do, you will do. There are things like that that can just go away. 
Now, they might reappear. The washing cycle does its thing. But get into the habit of constantly, like, you know, this is advice for personal hygiene as well as spirituality. Take off your garments. Put them away and wash them. Put something new on, a new you. And don't live like you used to. Don't live like people tell you you should live. Live in the way that he has created you to be. Each day. So this is practical. You know, if there's a practical outworking of this message, this illustration was to represent what I'm saying, but also use it as a practical illustration. Every time you get changed, every night or every morning, use it as a quote some of, of Ephesians 4. I'm taking off, I'm throwing off the day, the, the, the stuff that has messed my image up as a Christian today. I'm taking it off. I'm doing something very physical. I'm doing something very practical, but I'm taking it off spiritually. I am no longer that same person that I was. That, that one that lied, that one that said a nasty joke at work, that one that um, I kind of was a bit greedy or coveted or I, I wanted something that wasn't mine and I almost went to get it. I'm going to put it away. I'm going to put on and sink into the new garment that God has given to me test perfectly pristinely ironed your past has gone you are new you and you can be a new you every day God I thank you for, for this congregation I thank you for this message and Lord I pray that something would go deep within us something would go away with us God and leave a mark and even if it's just the practicality Every day as we dress and undress, removing and putting on something new. 